morning. It is so good to see everybody here. Yeah, the few, there's plenty of seats if anybody was looking for additional seating. <laughs> um, my name is Antramika Knight and I have the pleasure of welcoming you here this morning to River City. It's a fifth Sunday, which is, feels unusual to end the year on a fifth Sunday, um, but we're so thankful. Um, here at River City, we start each Sunday by reading from the lectionary. Um, it's a way for us to connect to the global church. Um, it's a reminder that as we are serving the Lord and as we are gathering on Sunday, there are other churches, there are churches gathering underground, and it's just a way for us to connect with them. Um, this psalm is Psalm 147. Um, so one of the things that's interesting, and I was saying, as I was reading this, the ESV version, the words don't always flow very naturally, but, <laughs> but what I'm thankful for is it forces me to slow down when I read it. And so I felt that this week when I was reading through this a couple times, there's a part at the end when they're talking about the Lord's statues and rules. And I was like, I wanted to change the words. And I think sometimes that's our temptation as we're reading you know, liturgy or as we are reading through the Bible, you want things to be digested in a way that you can understand it. But I was reminded this week and I was thankful for the sometimes the awkwardness in which we digest the Lord's word. Um, so we start at verse 12 and it says, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statues and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. If we can bow our heads in prayer. Father God, thank you for this Sunday in which we can gather. Thank you for community here at River City. Thank you, Father God, that this season we have the opportunity to just focus on you, your birth, Father God, that you are our savior, that you offer salvation. We thank you for River City on this Sunday, Father God. May this just be an opportunity for us to create space and live in love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you stay standing with me as we pray for our community. We sing a song this morning. The line says, I've seen you move mountains. I believe I'll see you do it again. And so I'm gonna ask you that you would hold tightly the things that God's done for you this morning as we've been singing these songs. It says in Hebrews that he would move mountains in our community this morning. It says in Hebrews chapter two, for Jesus who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And so this morning, God, we lift up our prayers to you. 
for all of our brothers and sisters across the world and those in this room. God, that we will praise your name, whether they praise your name or not, we will do it in their stead. And so God, as we lift up these prayers, would you hear us and answer our call? For the universal church, its members and its mission, God, for all those churches gathering this morning, both in Smyrna and Cobb County and the surrounding areas, God, that you would be with us, Emmanuel God. God, we pray for the 11 Nigerian Christians who were beheaded the day after Christmas by ISIS. God, we pray for their families, all those affected, God, the friends. God, we know that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of your church, and we pray that you would be with us, be with them, that you would advance your kingdom on this earth. God, for the pastor in Tajikistan who was released after two and a half years in prison, God, we rejoice, God, that you have released him. God, would his work and his suffering not be in vain, but God, that you would advance your word there. God, we pray for the Fila family who we support in Sri Lanka as they pray for discernment with the opportunities they have in their new setting there. God, we pray that you would set a good foundation as they learn the language and the culture in their new community. For all of our brothers and sisters, we praise your name. God, we pray for our world and all those in it. God, for the 76 people that died in a vehicle bombing in Somalia this past week. God, we pray for those affected, God, that you would comfort and bring peace to their families. God, we pray for the political unrest across our world in Turkey, Syria, Hong Kong, and Chile. God, that you would be present. God, that you would bring comfort to all of those who suffer and that you would give your church a compassionate response. God, for the unrest here in America amidst the impeachment hearings, God, we pray that you would bring down our defenses, that we might hope in Jesus over and above anyone else. For all of our brothers and sisters, we praise your name. God, for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County, we pray for those affected by the fire at the Alcove Apartments here in Smyrna, for the nine families that are currently displaced and the four people that have been injured by the fire. God, we pray that you would be with their families, especially for this being happening during a Christmas season. God, we pray that they would not feel isolated. God, that you'd bring people, bring us in contact with them even. God, that we might be an answer. God, we pray for Jennifer Evans, who was killed right here on South Cobb Drive on Christmas Day as she was hit by an SUV. That we pray for her family. God, that you would be present, that this would not be one of those memories that has to be redeemed, but God, that you would be there now. God, we pray for all of those in the that are orphans and foster children. God, give us responses. God, that you would well up within us to be an answer to the needs that are in our community. For all of our brothers and sisters, we praise your name. God, we pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray for the family that Tansy works with whose daughter committed suicide this past week. God, somehow makes sense of difficult situations. We know that you're there. Be with that family. God, we pray for the upcoming births, the Jacksons, the Rendazos. God, we pray that you would be with the babies. God, that they would be healthy, that you would bring them into this family. God, that we might rejoice in seeing them. 
God, we pray for any unmet expectations or difficulties during this Christmas season. God, the things that stir up within us, God, that we may know that you came for people such as us and that we would hold the baby Jesus in our arms daily and cherish his presence with us. God, for any other sufferings, those spoken out loud and those not, God, we pray that you would move mountains and that we would anticipate you moving more. For all of our brothers and sisters, we praise your name, Jesus. Amen. Really glad to see you guys. My name is Kara. If you um, are new here or you just haven't been here since, I guess, October when I last spoke, um, my husband and I are the youth pastors here and have been, I guess, going on um, three years. Um, really excited that you're here this morning. I um, This is the third or fourth year that I've held the spot of having the Sunday between Christmas and New Year. So this Sunday and I feel we're like friends now, the like awkward post-Christmas, pre-New Year um, tension, whether you're in like post-Christmas is over blues or super pumped for the New Year, that awkward spot. Um, and so I'm really excited, but before we get started, I'm going to pray. Um, and then we're going to jump in. So God, I, um, I thank you that you are in our midst. That we first and foremost just need and want to acknowledge that you are already here. You tell us that you go before us, and so you have come before us into this space. You have actually been waiting on us to show up. And I am incredibly grateful that you are here this morning to meet with us. I, the presence of the Lord is among you, my people. I declare unto you that this day is a day of victory. Draw near to the God that saves you, that changes you, that sets you free. Be at peace this day, and I, I send you out to others who are without. Be a witness for the God of creation. Be a witness for the one who died for you. Love one another that the world may know me. Amen. Go with that. Thank you. Um, so, Bill, if you will pull up the... Okay, so um, up until this point, we um, as a church have been journeying through Advent. And um, what's interesting is we go through Advent, and Advent in and of itself is highlighting um, the, the waiting that the people felt um, of the prophecy spoken of a coming king, there was a waiting and a longing. And similarly, we now sit here in a waiting and a longing of the second coming of Jesus. And so Advent, we tap into the waiting and the longing. And then Christmas happens. Salvation of, comes through the birth of baby Jesus. 
And now if you look, after Advent is Christmas, and then there's something called Epiphany. We, if we follow the Christian calendar, are still actually in Christmas. Because while culturally we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, the Christian calendar, if that's the thing that we're moving towards, that we're orienting ourselves towards, we're in the middle of Christmas tide, which is actually 12 days. And I was reading about Christmas tide, and it was really interesting because they, and it's been going on for centuries, this is not like a new thing or a new idea, but they wake up for like 12 days with the same excitement that we do on December 25th for all 12 days. And I just thought that was really interesting because what, what is um, culturally thrown at us even um, through marketing and shopping and stores, what is being thrown at us is either, like I mentioned, either you're either Christmas blues, you're sad that Christmas is over, or you're super pumped that New Year's is coming, so you're taking everything down and you're amping up for the new year. This happens to be heading into a new decade, and you're like, yes, fresh start. It's going to have like a new, you're going to have like a word or a theme or a song or whatever you do. And yet I was reading about this idea that there are people around the world who are still just sitting in the celebration that Jesus was born. And that is really hard for me to think about because what still feels actually more true is that we're still in Advent. Because what feels more obvious to me when I look around is not that Jesus was born. What feels more true and more obvious to me is that the shadows of darkness and that the evil feels like it's prevailing. We celebrated Christmas Day, but in our hearts around the world, it just feels like we're still in Advent. So I can't fathom spending 12 days with the same gumption and the same joy, maybe the same exhaustion um, that Christmas Day brings for 12 days. And yet I think that if we think about the, the moments where we have really tasted the, the truth of salvation, if I can think back to the moments where God has felt the most near to me, if I can just capsule that moment, it would probably be easy to celebrate for 12 days. But that's just not our reality. We don't have that all the time glaring us in the face. What is true is a glimpse of what Jordan was praying in prayers of the people. That there is brokenness, and there is chaos, and there is darkness. Just yesterday, I was in my kitchen crying because I was reading on social media about a family I've never met whose nine-month-old went to sleep Christmas Eve night and just never woke up for no reason. And they are about to have to take their child off of life support. I was gut-wrenchingly broken for what the road they are about to face 
And I was thinking of this morning, of how, how do I reconcile, how do I make sense of that brokenness that feels like it's everywhere with the fact that Jesus has come and offered light and salvation and hope? How do I declare the truths of who God is and yet feel and see and be familiar with the hurt and the enormity of what feels like darkness? You'll pull up Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, 10 to 62, 3 says, I will, regret, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see her, your righteousness and all of the king, kings your glory, and you shall be called by a name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a, and a royal diadem to the, in the hand of your God. That is a beautiful passage, but when I read specifically verse 11, for the earth bring, brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown, into it to sprout up so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. When I look around the nations, I am not seeing righteousness and praise sprout up. I don't know about you, but when we really face the realities of the world, I don't feel like I am singing this, seeing this. And yet that is a promise, a reality of what God says has come and is coming again. And I think we as people in these moments where what we feel feels contradictory to what and who God says he is. And in this hand, we hold our life experiences. We hold the moments for these parents where they are going to have to make a gripping, gripping decision. We hold the fact that we have not been able to have kids like we wanted to, or we have not met the person that we wanted to spend our life with, or we are not living the life that we dreamed of, or we are struggling day in and day out with depression and anxiety. And in this hand, we're reading scripture. We're hearing God say, I am the light of the world. I am the hope of salvation. I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So what do we do with this? And I, as I began to go through that within my own experience, when what we feel contradicts what I believe is true, what do I do with that? I don't like 
that Jesus coming as a baby and growing up and being fully man and fully God, I don't like that that didn't just wipe out all of this stuff. That is not how I would have written that story. If God had let me have a say in those moments, I think I would have been sitting with the Trinity being like, or he could come and all of this would just go away. Wouldn't that be nice? But that's not the story that he, they have set before us. That's not the story that's been set into motion. And we hate that. And that is okay. But there is a moment that if we decide to put our faith in Jesus, there is a moment where we say, God, I feel this way, but I'm declaring this as true. This does not make sense to me. I am not feeling like I am watching your sovereignty played out right now. But in spite of what I feel, I'm going to declare that this is who you are. We don't get to escape that moment where we're either going to believe in who God says he is or not. All of us, all of humanity at some point is going to have to decide, is Jesus who he says he is? And that is really hard. We want it to be pretty. You know, I was thinking about the Pharisees. And when we read scripture, the Pharisees get a pretty bad rap, understandably. But I was looking at the the Pharisees and I was thinking of their humanity. And I was thinking, really, the thing for the Pharisees was this. God did not come how they thought he should have come. That's all it was. They didn't come. It did not look how they thought it should look. And so they did not, they chose to not believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I do that all the time. I, myself, at times take on characteristics of the Pharisees when I get mad at God and say, you didn't come how I thought you should have come. And in God's tenderness and in God's goodness, when I choose to then follow that up with, but I'm going to believe that you are you. He takes my unbelief and he takes my hurt and he takes my doubt and he welcomes me over and over and over and over again. I, growing up, my parents can attest to this, I, from a very young age, I think my broken bone was when I wasn't even two, Um, somebody fell on me at church, actually, it's real, (laughs) Um, I broke my collarbone, and that was my first broken bone, and that I think essentially felt like it set into motion what was then eventually going to be. I lost count after like 13 broken bones in my life. Um, I was knocked unconscious when I was really, really young and had to be, um, go to the hospital because I'd stopped breathing. Um, 
I had three joint surgeries before I was 20, like joint reconstructive surgeries before I was 20, multiple concussions. It just was nonstop, and I had earned the reputation of being the girl who was always hurt. And that can sound comical, but when you're in the middle of being the person that's always hurt, with like ridiculous, because of ridiculous things. It wasn't like I was jumping from building to building. It can, it can really wear on you, especially when you're praying for healing. That's a lot of times of praying for healing and a lot of times of not being healed the way I wanted to be healed. And so I would navigate as I was growing up. Sometimes it was my heart was softer to the Lord's and his response. And sometimes I was mad and frustrated that he did not, that he allowed me to get hurt again or that he didn't heal me once I was hurt the way I wanted him to show up. And um, <clears throat> when I was... I don't remember what age, because I've had a concussion. Um, that's real. Um, I was riding um, an ATV of sorts, not a regular one. I don't, I've never been able to, it's a Polaris. Anyways, it's like this massive thing. I was riding with another girl on this thing. I was driving, and we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I had not that long ago, had shoulder surgery. So I probably shouldn't have been on it in the first place. Um, and I was flown from it, and she was as well. And it landed on top of me while it was still on. And we're in the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> and I'm calling <clears throat> for help. And she's calling for help, but nobody can hear me or her. She miraculously lands on her feet um, and was, like, pretty okay, but I definitely was not okay. This thing I looked up weighs, like, 2,500 pounds, and it's just on top of me. And I've just had shoulder surgery not that long ago. And all I could think to do was call on the name of Jesus. And I remember, <clears throat> I remember thinking, it's getting harder for me to breathe. I remember that moment very clearly still. And this is after lots of work with counseling and PTSD. And so all I could think to do was to call on the name of Jesus. And truly miraculously, the girl ends up running to go get help because I tell her she, doesn't, she didn't want to leave me. And I just looked at her and I said, you need to leave me or else this scenario is not going to end well. I am having a hard time breathing. And so she goes, and then I'm left alone, which was terrifying, underneath this thing. It's still on. And they end up coming. Obviously, I'm here and walking and okay. 
It was a painful recovery. She had crushing injuries and burns, and I was a mess. And in my work, I tell that story because in my work after that accident, one of the questions at some point in my journey was me reconciling with where was Jesus in that? Why did I have to be left alone underneath a 2,500-pound vehicle by myself just there? Believing for some time that I was probably going to die because how in the world am I going to survive this? And when I was started, I was probably four or five months post-accident asking Jesus, where were you? I have prayed and prayed and prayed for things like this to not happen again. Where were you? And in his kindness, he indeed showed me and reminded me that he had never left me, that he was with me. It didn't look how I wanted it to look, which was like not underneath it, but he was with me. And when I think to the fact that Jesus came as a baby, not as a king or a religious leader like the Pharisees wanted, what him coming as a baby meant in poverty meant that he could be he, when he says, I've been with you and I am with you and I have seen all and been all, he has lived in it and been with us. And so he was with me. But I didn't like that his response to me crying out to him wasn't to just miraculously make it all better. But his response was, I'm with you. And so as we approach <clears throat> this new year and this new decade, I believe that there is an invitation for us as a community to hold in our hands both the this is how it feels and this is what is true. Saying and declaring these things about God's character Saying that he is good, even when it doesn't feel that way. Saying that he is a God of miracles, even when you haven't gotten the miracle that you want. Saying that he is sovereign when you feel like you have lived in unjust situations. It does not negate what you have experienced. It does not take away from the feelings that are real. What it does is it changes our posture to say, my feelings are valid but that does not make them truth. They are true to us, but that does not make them truth. What is truth is that God is who he says he is. What is truth is that he said he would come and he did come. It was after a hundred years of silence and a lot of waiting and a lot of pain, but he came and he is going to come again. That is truth. It doesn't feel that way, but that is truth. What is truth is that even if you didn't have a good father or don't have a good father, he is the good father. 
And so in both of these hands, we can say, God, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to spend hours, years, whatever it may be, telling you how I feel, but I will at the last sentence be, at the, I will end this thought with, but you are who you say you are. This does not make sense. But we don't, as humans, get to escape this tension, and honestly, Jesus didn't either. Jesus lived the tension of being fully man and fully God. So if Jesus didn't, doesn't get to live a life without tension, neither do we. That's just reality. And so for all of our days, we get to spend time, prayer, worship, community, reminding ourselves that what we feel is not always truth. It, and I think we live in a society where we are a, it's A or B. And I'm saying it's A and B. I'm saying it is both this and this. It is both hurting and broken, but it is also not the end of our story. It is dark. The, the darkness feels overwhelming, but it is not the final answer. Death is real. The pain of death on earth is real. People have misrepresented Jesus to us, and that hurt is real. But they themselves are not Jesus, so they do not get the final say. What a beautiful space this community can be for our com surrounding community if this can be a space where it says, you are welcome to feel all the things. And we are also going to help you finish it up with, but God is still God. And he does not fear. He is not um, uh, scared of our feelings that feel messy. That does not concern him. He's, I mean, he's with you, but it's like he's not worried about that somehow disrupting him. So come to me, all who are weary and brokenhearted, and let be, me be near to you. Come to me, cast all of your burdens onto me, and let me take them so that I may be near to you. How neat would it be if we entered into a month of prayer declaring who God says he is, even when we don't feel it. How cool would it be if we would allow our testimonies, thinking through the ways in which God actually has shown up. It wasn't in the removal of an accident, but it was in the being near to me in the midst of the accident. May we not be so focused on looking at just one way for God to show up that we miss all the other ways that he does. I was talking with a student last week, and we were talking about this exact thing, and they were saying that they've prayed for some specific things, and they're having a really hard time because it's not happening. This stuff in their family is still going on. And I looked outside, we were downstairs at the table, and it was dark, and the Christmas trees were light. And we were facing the Christmas tree. 
And I told this student, I said, I affirmed and validated all of the disappointment that, that comes with when we don't get our answer the way we want it to. And I told them, I said, look at the Christmas tree. And I said, let's say this, this is the way that we're wanting God to answer us. And it hasn't happened. And I said, but if that's the only way that we're looking for God to answer, think of all the lights that we're missing. Because their trees were light, lit up. What if you're missing the ways, all the beauty of the ways that God has shown up? All the other lights through community, through his word, through prayer, through worship, through friendship, through your actual family. And so what if I challenged them to change their prayer and to ask Jesus, what are the ways that you've shown up? If it didn't happen, like the removal of these things, how did you show up? And maybe they would be surprised at the countless ways that God did show up, even if it wasn't the one way they wanted him to. And I said, acknowledge the disappointment. That is real and true. But there's also a truth that God did show up. And so if worship team can come back up, we are going to end service a little bit differently. And this is something that I felt like the Lord really wanted us to do as a community, and that is to declare the promises and the truth of his character. And for some of us, that's going to feel not like, that's going to rub against how we feel. It's not going to feel true to us right now. And so it will be a declaration of what is truth, even when it's not what feels true to us right now. And for others of us, it will be easy to proclaim the name of Jesus above all other things. And regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, you are welcome here. That is part of the beauty of church and of community. I was reading something in the Sacred Ordinary Days Planner, um, and the question was posed during the Christmas tide season of where do you see evidence of God's light in your life and in the world around you? So if you will stand with me. <clears throat> I, um, this could get awkward because it could go nowhere, but I'm going to ask you, I want you to ask yourself that question. Where have I seen the evidence of God's light in my life or in the world around you? And if something comes to mind, might you be willing to speak it out loud? We have struggled um, with medical bills since I was 37 weeks pregnant.
and I saw God show up. Not in the way that I wanted, but in a willingness for me to ask for help. I asked for help and God showed up. And for years I've wanted him to just take away the hardship. And something shifted when I finally just asked for help. And so that for me, this is me starting it. That is the way that I saw the light of God show up in my life in a very real way. And so if you have seen or experienced in your life or the world around you a way that light of God has shown up, would you speak that out so that others' faith can be affirmed and encouraged and reminded of what truth actually is, and that is that he shows up. So before they start to sing, there will be a pause. So as we go into worship, may we lift high the name of God. Even if it doesn't feel true to us in this moment, may we zoom out enough to say, but my God is still on the throne. That is truth. And praying and worshiping does this thing where it, it feels vulnerable because it reminds us of our humanity and our inability to control things. It reminds us that this world is not as easy as what we like it, but what it also does is it provides an answer and a response, and that is, but Jesus. 
And so may we, full of joy and hope because salvation has come and is coming again, may we lift up the name of Jesus. But God, I thank you that what we know is that we can declare the truths of who you are, that you came and you died, you rose, and you are coming again. May we cling to the truth this week. Go with us, keep everybody safe this New Year's Eve. enter 2020 with a great expectation that you are indeed going to show up. May we be looking for you in all the ways that you do. for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.